This is the Extravagant Promises Podcast, and I'm your host, Gregory. This is a podcast about reckoning, recovery, and redemption. Tonight is episode number 34, Wrapped. Before I start out, I would like to remind my good and loyal listeners that this is not an AA meeting, nor is it meant to serve as an AA meeting. It is not approved by the powers that be to... But it is an act of service on my part, and it is meant to complement and supplement your program to be that candle maybe in the darkness that you can look to and use in times of loneliness or in times of stress, times of comfort, times of joy, maybe times when you can't get to a meeting or maybe just on your way to work. You can listen and, and get some recovery and, and commune with me uh, through this podcast. Second, I'm not a mental health professional. Please, I encourage everyone not only to be in a 12-step program and work the steps, have a sponsor, and sponsor other men and women, uh, but I do encourage everyone to have some sort of mental health program that they feel meets their needs. Uh, I think that is a strong component of recovery. Third, Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions. We place principles before personalities, so please protect my anonymity. It's not hard to find out who I am, I'm sure. Um, There's nothing mysterious or sinister or joyous wrapped up in it. It's just simply this is an act of charitable service. I will protect your anonymity at all costs. I will never release your name unless you ask me to uh, in advance. And I ask that you do the same for me. You can reach me at Gregory B, that's the letter B, G R E G O R Y B, at Extravagant Promises Podcast.com, where there is a website coming soon, I think. <laughs> I've taken my sweet time on building that, but uh, it is coming. But the email does work. And you can also reach me on the Instagrams, I think, <laughs> like the movie, on the line. Gregory B. Uh, the, actually, it's uh, on on the exchangeagram slash Instagram. It is at Extravagant Promises Podcast, and you can DM me there. And again, I will protect your anonymity and ask that you do the same. Number four, this is absolutely and will always be free. I will not accept soli- uh, advertisements or sponsors for this podcast, nor will I accept or solicit donations for it. This is simply an act of service and it is, I get, I'm the one who benefits from it. And, um, and, and it is important to me that it be a commercial free and commercially free endeavor. So with that on with the show in the extravagant promises podcast, we share our experience, our strength and our hope. Tomorrow at Dawn by Victor Marie Hugo.
tomorrow at dawn, at the hour when the countryside whitens, I will set out. You see, I know that you wait for me. I will go by the forest. I will go by the mountain. I can no longer remain far from you. I will walk with my eyes fixed on my thoughts, seeing nothing of outdoors, hearing no noise, alone, unknown, my back curved, my hands crossed, sorrowed, and the day for me will be as the night. I will not look at the gold of evening which falls, nor the distant sails going down towards Harfleur. And when I arrive, I will place on your tomb a bouquet of green holly and of flowering heather. So the topic of this week's podcast, this episode, is the are the intertwining concepts and notions about a parent's love for a child and in this instance in my instance a father's love of his daughter and the notion that we are only as happy as a parent we can only be as happy as our unhappiest child and i've commented on that in the past on this podcast and and my concerns about that concept and the codependency wrapped therein but at the same time, it's one of those things that there is almost nothing as sacred as a parent's love for a child. And likewise, there, I, I think this is why there can be nothing more profoundly profane than a parent's abuse of a child. And I'm not here to talk about the abuse I'm proud to say when my daughter, my eldest daughter was born, I made a promise that I would never, I would never hit you. I would never harm you. I would lay my life down for you without question, without hesitation, with every conviction. I'm proud to say that I was able to go her entire high school career and now, as you'll learn in a moment, her, I hope, her entire college career, sober. Continuous, uninterrupted, sacred sobriety. But it's hard. It is hard. I've taken this child to boarding school at the tender age of 14 and seen her off. But it was different. I I went to boarding school and it was hard, but it was so awesome. And you're protected. You know, college is a whole different kettle of fish, so to speak. She's now a legal adult. And this past week, I flew from Venice back to my home. I spent Sunday kind of convalescing in my home, watching, binge watching Stranger Things and eating pizza. And then on Monday, I rented the big SUV, 
Monday night we loaded it up and on Tuesday we drove down to Tuscaloosa, Alabama where my daughter is going to be all about the tide. And I moved her in on Wednesday and Thursday. And on Thursday afternoon in the parking lot, we hugged and I said goodbye. Of course, it's not like it was when I was coming through. I mean, goodbye didn't really mean goodbye. I mean, I had texts and calls and cell phones and things, but if she only knew how much I love her. So that got me to thinking about this concept that floats around in society about bubble-wrapping children and, you know, it's like the, the I, I think maybe within the last 20 years, maybe longer, honestly, there was this, this seems like this societal upheaval about on the one direction, the, the quote, hovering helicopter bulldozer. I've heard curling parents, lawnmower parents, you know, you know um, trying to bubble wrap their children with participation medals and and all of these things and then on the other hand this just tsunami of outrage among people castigating those parents and here's what I say walk a mile in my shoes you know Parent your own damn children. Parent your own damn self. Lead yourself. Lead your children. But you know what? I know, excuse me for my language on... But give me a fucking break. You know, I didn't wake up one day and say, you know, I am going to try to be only as happy as my unhappiest child. I am going I want to be a helicopter parent. I want to be a worrying wreck whenever she drives off in her car or whenever some boy takes her out to dinner or she goes to some party where she might drink from a cup and not that wasn't sealed before she opened it. You know. We get we get we get bombarded on all sides, don't we, parents? You know, we get the nightly news telling us how, you know, the the college campuses are nothing but, you know, it's like jungles with just marauding rapists everywhere, just sexually assaulting every person that comes within 10 feet of them. Like, Like, you think of these, like, pirates and cannibals or something like sexual cannibals running around raping and molesting and the teachers god forbid they're doing it too and the priests and the coaches and you know and maybe that's all true you know that's what we hear as parents every day and then we get all of the psychologists and the and the pundits telling us what a bunch of and teachers what a bunch of douchebags we are for trying to protect our kids for advocating for them for, for dads stepping in front of the child and saying, uh-uh, come through me first. You're not going to talk to my daughter that way. You're not going to treat her that way. 
No, no, you can't bubble wrap your child. You need to let them take the punch on the chin. All right, Dad, my friends out there, you going to let that happen? You know, it's cool, yeah, if you're just so mellow and you can be like, yeah, I can watch this. I can watch her do backflips and I can watch her run face first into a wall or get hit by a car and not, not worry one bit. Okay, yeah, right. It's natural. It's in our DNA. It's in our genetics. They are our child. <clears throat> She's my child. And I think about how that goes into my program. You know, this is a, a, a program, uh, uh, this is a podcast about recovery. So I think about that. You know, this notion of bubble wrapping. You know, this notion of, of being a bad parent because you bubble wrap. Are we bubble wrapping ourselves when we go to AA? Yeah, that's what I think. I think we're bubble wrapping our soul. We're bubble wrapping our heart. We're, we're, we're girding our loins. We're, we're, we're strapping up. We're buckling up. We're dusting off. We're getting ready to get some. You know, we're, we're putting on the armor. Why is it that everybody thinks of armor? You know, or I can arm my child or I can bubble wrap my child. You know, one's good, one's bad. It's like airbag. Which one is that? You give them a car with an airbag. Walk a mile. Walk a mile in my shoes. See that hurt in their face when they don't get what they wanted, when they, when they, when they face that adversity. You know, these, these, I hear a lot about, oh, you know, you can't, you can't shield your child from adversity because then when they face adversity, you know, they're going to, they're going to face adversity and it's going to be so much worse for them because they haven't been inoculated to adversity. Go fuck yourselves. I don't know. You know, that's, to me, that's bullshit. Yeah, I think you can raise a spoiled brat and I think you can raise a child who's so tender that they can't, that, that the smallest little breeze knocks them over. But the, is, it, is that adversity? I say, you know what? Life isn't pay me now or pay me later. Life is pay me now and, and pay me later. It's coming for you and it's coming for them. It might be a drunken boyfriend it might be an outraged girlfriend. It might be cancer. It might be neuroblastoma. It might be disease. It might be alcoholism. You know, so it's like making sure that they get their nose bloodied on the soccer field or in the football field or wherever. Is that going to prevent them from, uh, from suffering from addiction? You know, so I think that that I think not. I think here's what I think. I think all you can do is love your child the best way you know how. In a kind, peaceful, loving, wholehearted, vulnerable, generous of spirit and of time and of wisdom 
generosity of, of soul in a manner that's consistent with your values. You know, yeah, you're going to know when it's time to... A good friend of mine, very Southern guy, last year when my daughter was visiting the University of Alabama and she was getting ready to go visit a, a little friend in their quad. It was homecoming. I mean, there were thousands of people around. There's alcohol. I mean, I'm, I'm a nervous wreck to see her walk off and go meet a little girlfriend and, you know, say hi and then come back and we're going to go in the game. And, and, and this friend of mine takes me by the shoulder and he says, let her go. She'll be fine. And, you know, he was right. And I knew, my values knew, I needed to. I wasn't going to be like, well, I'm going to go with you. Or, you know, I needed, to, I needed to do that. I knew that. Was I bubble wrapping? No. Was I just recklessly letting her? No. You know, it was consistent with my values. But now, you know, this, young, this, this child is a young woman. She's a woman. She's an adult. She can vote. I mean, you talk about it. Bubble wrapping. I feel like I should bubble wrap the United States from kids voting, but <clears throat> excuse me. Um, yeah, but we're only as unhappy, or we're only as happy as our unhappiest child. Doesn't have to be that way. But I think about our recovery, and I'm think about you know. This morning I wrote down, I was like, what, what are my plates? You know, I'm, I'm so anxious and I'm so nervous and I'm so unsettled today. Why? Well, one is because I've, you know, I mean, I've, I've, I've pretty much crossed the entire world in a one week and I've, you know, I've driven hundreds of miles and I've flown thousands of miles and I've, I mean, I'm like, I don't know what time zone I'm in. And it's everywhere I go, it seems to be the blazing center of the Sahara Desert. You know, it's so darned hot. But, you know, so I wrote down, what, what's really bothering me? What am I worried about with me? And the answer was nothing. I'm sober. I'm serene. I have a life second to none, thanks to the perm. I went to a fabulous AA meeting over here. Last night, it was awesome. It was incredible, you know. I conduct myself in esteemable ways, so I have self-esteem. So why am I upset? Well, I realized I'm worried about my daughter. I'm worried about her happiness. I'm worried about her tender little heart. I can't live that for her. She's out there in the world. I could, I could, you know, you tell me how you bubble wrap a, an 18 year old daughter at a big giant SEC Southern school going through all the social things they go through and all that. Somebody has a, have a, have a little primer on bubble wrapping. Um, I'm, I'm all ears because I don't know how. I'm, I don't know how many thousands of miles away, six to five thousand. I don't even know. I'm, I'm, I am, seven hours time difference away. All I can say is I may not be here for the rest of yours, but I will love you for the rest of mine. Testament by Carolyn M. Rogers.
Child, in the August of your life, you come barefoot to me, the blisters of events having worn through to the soles of your shoes. It is not the time. This is not the time. There is no such time to tell you that some pains ease away on the ebb and toll of themselves. There is no such dream that cannot fail, nor is hope our only conquest. We can stand boldly in burdening places like earth here, in our blunderings, our bloomings, our palms flattened upward or pressed, an unyielding down. The writer, this is a passage from The Writer by Richard Wilbur. Young as she is, the stuff of her life is a great cargo and some of it heavy. I wish her a lucky passage. You know, I think about as, as, as being here in Venice and, you know, I think about that great parenting Story, history, life, truth. But I think about, I'm surrounded by paintings and art commemorating and memorializing the, sacri- the, the gift to earth that God provided to us with his his only son. And I think about the Virgin Mary, you know, there, there's, there's so much great art and you think about Mother Mary, Maria, Mariah, um, you know, Titian, Tintoretto, these Venetian masters who've got these incredible paintings. And you think about the things that we, we know and experience um, obviously we don't know the Immaculate Conception here, but we, we were all like Jesus. We were all born, you know, we were all born of a mother. Um, we were a child. Not all of us will have a child. But, you know, it made me think, you know, I've always been very, very conservative and, um, you know, and, and I think sometimes that, uh, and I'm not getting off, I am not going political on this. Please, no, I'm not turning into, you know, one side or the other. No political, no politics being espoused here. I just think about, and really, I'm not trying to be religious either. I'm, I'm just trying, you know, I do have a higher power. I believe in my higher power. Um, I think it makes recovery a lot easier, not impossible, but easier if you have a higher power. Um, but, you know, I think about who suffered the most on Good Friday. You know, who suffered the most? Obviously, for Christians, you know, our Lord and Savior was butchered, slaughtered, 
humiliated, tortured, flayed, skinned, nailed to a cross and died. But can you imagine for a moment watching people do that to your child? Can you imagine for a moment your daughter, your son being murdered in front of you? You know, it it makes me think about mass incarceration and things like that. And, you know, criminals should be punished. Criminals. But then it's like, who, you know. And I, I, I have very aggressive thoughts on that. And But then I think, too, can you imagine watching your child be put to death? And so I ask you to think of that, those, you know, fathers out there, mothers out there, you know, grandparents out there. Can you imagine watching your child be tortured like they tortured Jesus? Who suffered more? So, you know, Again, you know, you're going to just sit there and be like, well, hey, don't bubble wrap. <laughs> you know, if you just let Jesus get a get 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 no trophy in ninth grade soccer or nine-year-old soccer, you know, would have been more prepared for adversity and being, you know, tortured and murdered. Um Come on, that's a joke. You know, we know we know that's all bullshit. It's people trying to tell you how to raise your children. And, and, you know, here's my challenge for those of us in recovery is, you know, you want to be, you want self-esteem, do esteemable things. Manage yourself, do the next right thing that with a consistency of your moral compass. You know, it's not right to hit your child. You know, I know there are people spoil, spare the rod, spoil the child. That's your call, I guess. I mean, whatever your conscience dictates. I suppose. I mean, my personal feeling on it is you should never have to lay your hand on your child. You should never yell at them in anger or in rage. It's always fear-based. We know that. Or some sort of insecurity or self-loathing. And if you have to discipline your child, there's, there are ways to do that that are just as effective as striking them or demeaning them, or humiliating. In fact, it's way more effective. Let's face it. I had the shit beaten out of me. It wasn't. It didn't have any effect on, on discipline or anything like that. It just made me, it just almost broke me, you know? But I'm not broken. I'm not bent. I'm strong. You know? So I challenge my listeners, you know, Conduct yourself, manage yourself, lead yourself with honor and integrity and kindness and generosity and lead your children in the same way and show them by example how much you love them, you know, by staying sober and doing the next right thing. 
That's a great gift to them and to you, of course. No child ever said, I'm so glad my dad is drinking. No child ever said, I'm so glad my mom is using a line of cocaine before work or doing a bong hit before church or surgery or flying that plane, you know, said no one ever. Said no one ever. So in closing, you know, I feel so much better now being able to just kind of vent and share, you know, about about my my fears. You know, I've, I've, I awoke with this just incredible fear and anxiety and worry. And I realized that, you know, there's absolutely nothing I can do. And frankly, I, I, I think I've done all I can do. And to do more would actually be to do harm because then I'm interfering. And to be honest, my particular child doesn't want me to do anything. You know, she's never been, she's never said to me, I would have gotten that if you had just tried harder, dad. I would have, I wouldn't have been hurt if you had been a better dad. She's never said those words to me. I just, you know, I, I, I told her, I said, I just, no one cares about any of these things. You think there's pressure on you, but there's not. The only thing, no one wants, I just don't want to see you hurt. You know, and to all those who say, go, go let them get hurt. Don't worry about it. Be happy when they get hurt. Good. You know, good. She got hurt. You know, it's, yeah, okay. Call me when it's your child. You know, I'm so blessed by this program so that I can deliver on my promises, the extravagant promises I made to my child, to my children that I would never let them down. I would, you know, I was going to be the friend. Not, you know, I'm, please, let's not get into it. You're being friends with your kids. No, there's a great podcast by, I think it's um, Kelleher or Keller, um, Timothy Keller. He's a Presbyterian priest, I believe, in New York, or preacher, minister, whatever. Um, and he did a podcast on friendship. And there were two things, you know, and I, I, I told my daughter this. I said, you're going to be among 30,000 some kids. And I said, you're going to find someone, maybe more than one person. You say, you too? I had no idea. And I said, just remember, you know, a friend is someone who always lets you in and never lets you down. Now, I'm not saying you got to be a friend to your kids, but what I'm saying is, isn't that kind of like being a parent? Isn't a parent someone who always lets you in and never lets you down? Isn't that if you were going to your meet your maker and, and, and you're, you're up there and you're being, you're being judged. Is there anything that's really higher on the, on the, on the, you know, Maslow's St. Peter's, you know, uh, hierarchy of needs. I'm going to judge you. 
Isn't the first like, were you the parent who always let your child in and never let them down? I think that's it to me. As a friend, as a parent, as a lover, as a, you know, a, 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 a husband, a wife, a, a partner, or whatever, you know, those relationships in your life, not just parent-child, but if you can be that kind of partner with those incredible relationships who they can say, he or she always let me in and never let me down. I challenge you with sobriety as the gemstone in the center of your tiara or your crown. Tell me you can't live the best life imaginable if that's your operating system. I love all of you, and I, and, I, and I hope to be that kind of friend to you too. To the people in the program, to the people outside the program. I want to be there. I want to be the person who always lets you in and never lets you down. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. It works if you work it. God, please, if it be your will, watch over my children. Watch over the children of all of the listeners and of all the parents, the mothers, the fathers, the stepmothers, the stepfathers, the, the godmothers, the godfathers. Watch over all of their children. Protect them. Wrap them in your love, God, so that they may have a joyous and happy life and serve you as, as we serve you. Amen.